0: Welcome to Two Story. Today's theme is Family Planning and I am Janneke Bronien. Of the four countries I have lived in so far, Sweden is the one where contraception is not free. National policies in this country for several decades now have been actively designed to help its population grow. Generous child benefits, state-funded child care and lengthy parental leave are social schemes which the country proudly boasts about, and set in the context of gender equity, these policies help Sweden shine as a global role model. Having spent my formative years in the second most populated country in the world, I still find it difficult to come to terms with this reversal of the principles of population management. When put in the context of climate change, or even unfriendly immigration laws. The Swedish concept of reversed family planning sits uncomfortably in my mind. For me the consequences are obvious. A larger family would mean the need for a larger car, more ski passes for winter sports, larger bags from the supermarket. However, the typically environmentally friendly Swedish journalist focuses her attention on highlighting the benefits of the green electrical car, outdoor activities and locally produced vegetables. that numbers of heads on this earth play a role, regardless of whether they are Swedish, Indian or Chinese. Ham do, hamare do, this billboard mantra to be seen on every public health poster in India was ingrained in me as a schoolgirl. We are two, we have two. Growing up, my siblings and I, three socially conscious sisters, always felt as if we were taking up too much sofa space when we visited the homes of our school friends in middle class Delhi. Today, I have the privilege of living in the country with the world's lowest maternal mortality, in a rural landscape where houses are set a kilometre apart from each other, and in a house which I could. At a stretch, fill with a family as large as a cricket team, however, every decision I make, both small and big, may impact the life of others in a different part of the world. You are listening to episode fourteen of Tukul Story, the podcast where I revisit the past to help me give our present a new perspective. <laughs> May, 2006. We were holding a school camp at the small village of Jorkna when an elderly lady presented with a one-year-old malnourished grandson. His young mother, she told us, was weak herself and had not produced any breast milk. The mother was pregnant again with her second child. After talking to her for a while, we realised that the knowledge of nutrition for young children was poor. We advised the grandmother about providing children older than six months with a balanced diet of rice, dal, green vegetables and eggs, and that just breast milk was not enough. On questioning about the mother's health, we learned that she had indeed been weak, unwell and losing weight. I asked to examine the young woman and was taken to her home. I did a medical examination and on feeling her neck, I found several firm lymph nodes. I was concerned about tuberculosis. We advised the family to take the young girl to Gopeshwar, the closest referral centre, for tests and treatment. But in her pregnant state, it seemed the family were reluctant to travel and I doubt if that advice was taken. From Jorkna, we were to head to the next village of Aula for our next camp. The father of the one-year-old offered to help us show the way to the main track. He walked at a good pace along with us and told us he was 23 years old. After a short while, I realised that he wanted to talk to us in private, away from his parents. He questioned what implications the tuberculosis treatment would have for the fetus. He was keen to seek treatment for his wife. I advised him about considering formula milk for his next child if the mother was still unable to breastfeed. This was a concept that the mother-in-law had been very sceptical about. But the father listened attentively and asked several questions. I realised that just like in everywhere in the world, While the older generation still held traditional views and were afraid of change, the younger generation were more open to new ideas and development. I gently touched upon the subject of contraception, pointing out that his wife may have been too weak to conceive, a piece of advice which he took surprisingly positively. He asked a few more questions, and then we parted ways when we reached the main track. Higher up in the valley, nestled between two hills, we could see our next destination, Allah. When we arrived at the village, it was deserted, but for scores of children scattered about the courtyards and fields. All the grown-ups were still out in the fields, working. The kids were ruddy-haired with scanty clothing, and their eager eyes peered at us. We inquired after the village midwife, and were told that we should wait, and she would soon return from the fields. Her husband came home first, an elderly man in dirty clothes and a big smile. He insisted we should stay for lunch. The couple were proud to have us, and we felt welcome even as we stepped into their little cow-dung swept kitchen, swarming with flies. A window from the cow-shed opened into the kitchen, and a buffalo freely peed and pulled next to pear's dinner plate, despite being swept several times by the buffalo's friendly tail. Pair was enjoying the experience, and finished his plate of rice and dal. The food was tasty and homemade. The couple had young children, and I was surprised. The children ate with us, and the parents explained that their youngest child, a boy of about eight years, wasn't quite like the others. He was developmentally slow. Pair examined the child, and after a patient period of interaction, he advised the parents, how this child would need more of their time and attention, but that he would eventually progress. This was certainly time that the parents barely had, all their energy used up in simply providing with food. The couple were happy to have us, though, but they were a little disappointed that we had no medications with us. We tried to explain that us bringing medicines to distribute would bring little benefit, but discussion and advice about health care would have a greater long-term impact. This at least for the moment they agreed with, and I hope this important message will one day get through. We are asked every day, now that we are recognised in the area, if we have brought with us any medication. It seems irrelevant what these medicines may be for as long as they are pills. This blind belief in pills is perpetuated by doctors and quacks who hand out antibiotics, anti-inflammatories, vitamin pills and even steroids like sweets. The following day, we held a camp at Gulari, and this time, a middle-aged man of about 40 years came to us complaining of a set of symptoms. He complained of sensory loss in the distribution of the ulnar nerve of both hands. When I looked at his face, I noticed swelling around the eyelids, and parts of his eyebrows were missing. I was immediately reminded of the patients we had seen at the Almora Leprosy Hospital. Pair examined him thoroughly, and we explained to him the possibility of leprosy and that early treatment would lead to a full cure. I wrote a lengthy letter for him to take to a doctor at Gopeshwar, or even make his way to Almora if he could not find treatment elsewhere. Alone, making diagnoses such as these would be difficult, but with Pair, and with us putting our heads together, we are often confident of what we find. Cases of serious illnesses are only a few, but I hope some of these will get proper treatment with the advice given. Most people here are simply undernourished, and many are anemic due to a poor diet. We noticed with interest that the children at Gulari were generally bigger and healthier than the ones we had seen at the more remote villages. We speculated this could be because... The other villages are often set further away from the main road, where jeep supplies cannot reach quite as easily. In the evening, we returned to the village of Baduk to meet with the women of the village. The midwife, as I remembered, had said that she would be away at a wedding that day. However, several women slowly gathered in a little courtyard while we waited for them. After a few general health checks, mostly a bit of gastritis, and some nonspecific complaints. We broke the ice, and the ladies began settling down. I hadn't quite planned the afternoon, but I had come armed with oral contraceptives and condoms, just in case. The women gathered were of all ages, from their twenties to their forties, but there was one elderly and somewhat entertaining lady amongst them. I touched the subject and asked if they would be interested in knowing more, Before I opened before them my white paper parcel full of goodies, I explained the three main, easily available types of contraception, pills, condoms, and female sterilization. With government campaigns and free camps, the latter option had already been taken up by many of the older women in the group. Most were also aware of condoms and pills, but it didn't seem as if many were using either option. The old lady was the first to offer to take some condoms home and cause great laughter all around. I explained in detail, however, the benefits of the pill and how to use them. The younger members were listening attentively, which was encouraging. By the end of the afternoon, five of the women happily took home four months' supply of contraceptive pills, although hesitantly, and condom packets for extra cover. I do hope replenishments would be available when they need more. Vaduk was a well-picked choice for a contraception camp. There were many good things about how the afternoon went. We took our time, I chatted with the women first to break the ice and then gently broke the subject, making sure they were willing to discuss the issues first. It helped to have a group of mixed age groups, I reflected. The older women approved and gave their support to the idea of being in control of one's timing of pregnancy. This encouraged the younger women to accept what was being offered. I realised that there was no shortage of awareness or knowledge, but acceptance required a change in self-perception and social attitudes to contraception. It was encouraging to see that in the right setting and with the right approach, women empowerment and health awareness was definitely possible. And I had had a great time.